Welcome to Wisdom for Life, where we sit through philosophy to find practical advice for your everyday life. Hi, I'm Dan Hayes. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Greg Sadler, and our special guest, Matt Vanetta. And today we're talking about pain, mental health, and lived philosophy. And Dan mentioned we have a special guest, and he's really uh, an extra special guest because, you know, Matt Vanetta, I think people who know anything about stoicism, they've all run across his uh, Good Fortune podcast at one time or another. He also has two new books out that came out, I, th- I think, was it was it this year or was it late last year, Matt? Late last year. So I'm going to plug those right away. We have we have them both. I, I got them because I, I got uh, review copies. So there's a beginner's guide to stoicism, tools for emotional resilience and positivity. And then even better, well, not better than the book itself, but it's better to always have some sort of companion piece. So there's this five-minute stoicism journal. And the two, you know, they're, they're mutually supportive. Um, it, they're they're I, I reviewed them. Uh, I found they were, you know, quite excellent. And so I'm really happy to have uh, Matt on myself. I know, Dan, you've you've been, you know, reading, listening for, for a long time as well, right? Yeah, I, was, uh, I have very strong memories of riding my bike to my <laughs> first startup. Um, it was five miles one way, and I would listen to it on my rides, uh, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night, like literally midnight, and I'm riding with a light on the front of my bike and <laughs> Matt Vanetta in my ear talking about stoicism. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you both for having me. For being... Oh, yeah, it's thank great. You. So, I mean, we could just geek out about, you know, what it what it took to start a podcast and a blog about stoicism in, in you might call it the early years of the modern stoic renaissance and probably we'll get back to that but i know you know we also wanted to talk about some topics that uh stoic philosophy is really helpful with like like pain in particular um so why why focus on that you know somebody might be listening to this from the outside and be, oh those stoics they're they're so uh morbid they you know they only want to focus on the negative side of life and that's clearly not the case so i'm gonna turn it over to you matt and you can well um although you know pain uh is something that's come up uh in, in my life just by living a life um uh i've been able to uh more specifically think about stoicism and pain in the past few years uh, because, um, well, man, I, I want to say it was two years ago now. I'm, a, I'm horrible with timelines, but uh, I, uh, I started really feeling bad, uh, joints hurting, feet hurting, uh, and, and such. Um, and uh, I was also having uh, skin issues and all of that. And and eventually it got so bad that uh, I was really, um, it was difficult for me to get in and out of a car. Um, I had problem. I live in a house with stairs and uh, I was starting to be hard for me to uh, go upstairs where our be- bedrooms are and such. And it ends up that uh, I had uh, psoriatic, psoriatic arthritis along with other issues and that had been going untreated because I, part of me was like, I'm just getting really old and I'm not as fit as I was. Uh, and then, uh, you know, eventually I hit the point where it was like, no, this is beyond, beyond that. And then I, then I learned what was going on. Um, and so, so I've, you know, just had through life, 
um, to uh, refocus uh, stoicism in areas that I've only had to like loosely touch on uh, over time. So, uh, and it's been very helpful. I was I was very glad that I had a background uh, in in stoic practice prior. Uh, to these issues happening to me, because that's always uh, simpler than than learning it fresh. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where you know you you can, as people do on these stoic forums, right? They say, "Oh, I'm having this problem. What should I do?" And then everybody in the world chimes in, and they bring up all these great practices or passages, and then the, then the person often is like, "Oh, this is this is wonderful. Now I can start doing something." Um, but it's, it's so much more effective if you've already laid the groundwork, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I get worried when, when people come in fresh, not because I I don't think that stoicism can be very helpful because, because I believe that, uh, but because, um, so much of, of what is best from stoicism is from continual practice and really wrestling with with situations and a lot of the things we throw at people or even just sometimes basic ideas are 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 deep and sometimes hard if you haven't had time to to wrestle with them and and uh and i always i'm like oh let's let's find a way to to bring this to people that that doesn't uh frighten them off but um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh so and it 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 helps me on the path already instead of having to start from square absolutely That is, a, that is a good point, though, about the not um, scaring people off or maybe overloading them, right? Um, I mean, Dan runs a weekly group where when the weather's nice, as it should be pretty soon, people walk around outside. And there's, there's I think, at least my experience with it, there were quite a few people who were curious. And they, they would come in and they didn't really know much about stoicism. And so you don't want to, like, you know, um, try to explain the very nature of the indifference and the relation of the, the, the virtues to them. And you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of great stuff, but it's kind of tough to swallow all, all at once. Um, so what do you think are the best ins for people if they don't know much about stoicism, you know, some, some ideas they can chew on a bit? Well, I always try to make sure that anything I'm focusing on is, is core issues of stoicism. Um, things like, uh, what, what we sometimes term the dichotomy of control. Um, uh, you know, things like indifference or externals, like does need to be addressed, but I think there's ways to go about it that are, uh, um, uh, you know, ease people into that instead of uh, being pretty callous yeah. uh, about it. Cause it, it sounds wrong. Right? We use this term indifferent to talk about things that are like outside of uh, either outside of the moral sphere or outside of my, you know, ability to influence morally. Uh, but we're not talking about indifference in the sense of, of the, of the emotional stance of indifference. And that's really easy um, to, to misunderstand uh, if it isn't clarified with people uh, and, and can sound really harsh uh, depending on what they're addressing at the time. Uh, the, and the, of course there are like 
basic stoic exercises and such that I think can be, uh, uh, you know, nice little entry points as something to do. Uh, though, and maybe when we talk about the philosophy and such, uh, uh, I think that can be overemphasized. Um, the, the doing practices, well, you mean? The importance of specific practice practices, right? Um, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. practices. I, I found that for some of the people that I work with, some really love certain practices and some like despise sure. them. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so to a certain extent, like we all like that I'm talking with, they agree on the basic tenets of stoicism, but they're like, yo, that one, that one just does not click with me. And so to a certain extent is how one is from their experience in the life are oriented towards some of these practices. Yeah. And I've had, um, you know, I have a few, key practices that have been relatively consistent uh, as a go-to in my, my personal life and, and some that have moved sort of in and out depending on who I am at the moment. Right. Uh, like, so, which I think is totally fine. And, um, and, you know, the, the, the bigger thing is just that the practice itself, when you're just talking about, Oh, well, I don't want to say the, the practice isn't really, the philosophy, right? Uh, a practice can be used to to ingrain um, the the values and principles that come from Stoicism, uh, but sometimes they can be used in in uh, in ways that have really little to do with the actual uh, expected or outcomes of Stoicism. Uh, so you you got to be careful how much you throw throw a checklist stuff at people because because um, uh, it's not just about that, right? It's I mean, do you think there's a danger with certain of them in like making them too central and then not using them in, in, in the right context because it's not guided by the philosophy? Like, you know, let's take the dichotomy of control. You, some people, they say, oh, well, nothing's in my control of these sort of things. So I'm just not going to care about them whatsoever. All I can do is control my own, you know, thoughts, emotions, reactions. Um, so if my kid gets bullied, um, I don't have to take care of that. That's, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll advise my kid to be a bit more stoic and that'll help them out. And, and when you see people doing that, you're like, that's, that's a terrible idea. That's, that's not stoicism at all. <laughs> that's almost like bordering on solipsism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that sort of example is is almost exactly what I'm what I'm thinking of is is that um, there are ways to uh, use these what we you know stoic exercises that have nothing really to do with stoicism or or you could flip it on its head and and just talk about life in in general right um, like Epictetus. Uh, in in his writings, uh, he he taught that people could could eat as a Stoic, could bathe as a Stoic, and such. Yeah. But um, somebody, you know, going by somebody having brunch uh, doesn't mean, hey, look, there's this, some Stoics, right? Because they're eating, and eating can be done Stoic. You know, like like you need to. <laughs> there's a there's a core way of approaching such things that actually makes it uh, Stoic or not. And even if the even if the practice comes directly out of yeah. the writings, um, it can be done improperly, um, you know? And I, and I was just thinking so, about right. how, how somebody could pick up the wrong thing and be like, well, they're, they're ordering scrambled eggs. So that must mean that yes. that's what a stoic eats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So I guess it seems like you're you're going to the topic of uh, live philosophy and the kind of the difference between a life hack and a philosophy of the way of life. Um, do you, there seem to be yeah, something you want um, to talk about. Although now that now that we jump to that, I'm like, what 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 am I talking about? Um, well, <laughs> you know, there are some you know key principles in Stoicism. I don't, I don't want to say this list is what it, Stoicism is because there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach uh, such a thing. But um, well, you know, Greg, when you're talking about uh, dichotomy of control and and such. Um, Stoicism is a very communal uh, in its in its focus. It, it, like Stoicism assumes uh, that humanity is is social at its core as a as a as a key principle. And um, and whenever you read uh, even about yourself as an individual in Stoicism, it's important to understand that when they're talking about human life, they are very much talking about a communal person even though they're focusing on you and and therefore it it doesn't make sense to read what they're saying as cutting off uh from from others like i mean you can run into uh marcus aurelius who 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 refers to to people who uh who uh reject everything around them and such as as a cancer in the human body, which is pretty pretty uh, pretty huge, uh, and yeah, yeah. and um, uh, you know, just th- there are, there are core aspects to the philosophy that that need to uh, just be held in the mind as you use the practices, because uh, then you know you, you use that practice to either bring you back to what you already know. Um, as a principle of stoicism or to learn how to uh, build that into your life. Uh, And if you're just, uh, you know, doing the thing for its own, for just for the sake of doing it, I think uh, Epictetus uh, talked about uh, embracing statues. Yeah. So um, the, the, the cynics uh, were, were, were known as uh, Diogenes would, um, yeah would uh just go out there and hug cold marble statues right uh as a as a form of showing that he was indifferent to to the cold and and, and the pain and all of that um which which can be used as a as a philosophical practice like it, it was a thing but epictetus specifically told his students don't do that uh, because he, and he basically said, you know, I guarantee you're going to make that all about you. That is not, <laughs> you, you're just showing that people, look, I can stand out here in the cold, but what is that doing to change you into a more virtuous and, and more, you know, better expression of yourself. Right. And, and yeah. the rub here is that like, we're as humans, fundamentally a social creature, but the, one of the, the largest sources of, stress that we have in our yeah. lives are other humans and so how do we live as a social creature one <laughs> the thing that we 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 desire i guess one of the things that we have like at least these core kind of like biological desires uh causes absolutely such, so and, much and we got to watch it because uh, like myself if, if we're going to use like I'm, I'm not a i'm not a big binary person but uh, but if we're going to use like extrovert introvert and things, then I'm an introvert, like within, within that concept. And, um, a lot 
of people uh, come to Stoicism and and feel it in a like it hits their personality and your personality is not the philosophy right um like stoicism if it's you know if there's any aspects of truth to it should be able to speak to to pretty much anyone right it, it claims it, it claims it could be used by anyone I, i'm not going to say everybody needs to or, or, or not but but like it should be accessible and and that's and that's not to turn everybody into one type of person like stoicism. That's not what it's about. And, um, and it's really easy to use your, your yeah. personality as the bar for what, for what a good stoic is and then tell other people they need to do that too, which is even worse. Um, yeah, you gotta, be, you gotta be careful because, um, you know, my, my enjoyment of spending some time on my own, doesn't mean I'm being a great stoic just by just by, by virtue of doing that, right? Or that others must. You know, it reminds me of there's this passage in Epictetus, and I think it's in book three where he's talking about um, you know people who are maybe stoic sages, um, and he and he's talking about roles that that they had, and he brings up Socrates, Diogenes, and and Zeno. And I actually saw this uh, in somebody else recently as well, doing doing something quite similar. Um, and the point was that each of them did their things the way that they they did it. Um, Socrates went around and asked people a lot of questions, and it, he wasn't doing the Socratic method the way we talk about it all the time. If you, if you look at like Xenophon or or Plato, um, but he did actually ask a lot of questions. Diogenes didn't ask people questions. He went around and, and in addition to you know hugging statues, he got in people's faces and insulted them and was kind of mm-hmm. kind of a jerk <laughs> and, and and zeno he's trying to just like get a shock to your system what's wrong well, with that and that's that's part of the point that epictetus is, is trying to make zeno went around and taught and made distinctions and and you know all, all of those sorts of things and each one of those is a legitimate way of doing stoicism you know or if we want to count cynicism the way that epictetus seems to be willing to you know roll it in there. Um, each of those is a legitimate way of, of doing things. And then if we think about our own lives, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to try to be a Socrates or a Zeno or anything like that, but I can, you know, I can think about how I treat my students, um, especially in this time when a lot of them are really struggling or, um, you know, fulfilling this, this obligation to keep, uh, producing radio shows, you know, for, for Milwaukee and for, and beyond or any other thing. Right. And, and what I'm doing, um, it's probably gonna have some similarity to what the two of you are doing and so many other people are doing, but it's going to be, it's going to be stylized. It's going to be rooted in the context of my life. Right. And the same thing with, with both of you and anybody else, I think Mm -hmm. who's listening to this. I wanted to bring up the the thought that Matt brought up earlier about how kind of you could look at stoicism as really fundamentally egalitarian that it is useful for that person as lowly as you know a Roman slave up to the emperor the, arguably the most powerful individual in the world and how this had this same philosophy has the ability to speak to and help both of these groups of people regardless of their like material Absolutely. possessions. So you were talking about um, some of these uh, exercises and challenges and how uh, you would really like to uh, like 
when we're talking about stoicism, see it as a, a live philosophy and not to just be these life hacks. And I was wondering what your thoughts on, do you think this is encompassed by the term uh, like practice, or sorry, praxis, which is theory put to practice. Uh, and so instead of just like these little pithy practices that you can take or leave and uh, without even talking about the theory and, and, you know, as you were, uh, you made note of, of um, you know, in Discourses 1-4, talking about Chrysippus. is like, oh, that guy knows Chrysippus. <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything until yeah. he actually does something with that. But these these two hand-in-hand hand together are the thing that actually produce these outcomes that you would you are hoping to get when you're working through these processes. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I mean, there is obviously some aspect of study necessary in the sense that um, like to know what we're even talking about, mainly because most of us don't get to actually meet a stoic teacher in, in a sense and have them tell you, right. You know, so you, you got to do the work, uh, but then you got to do the work, right. You have to actually apply it. And these exercises can be great for, for doing that, right. Like that there's, a, there, there are exercises I do, on a, on a daily basis and, and such. So I don't have anything against uh, having a practice. Um, but the key is the practice is actually putting into, into play um, these, these, these thoughts that you, to wrestle with them, to put them into your daily life and see them change you. I, I ideally, right. You know, and, um, and you know, all the, all the uh, the Stoic teachers that we still have some access to, Epictetus, um, Sonius Rufus, and, and such, were very clear that like practice is a thing, and that it's deeply important. Um, uh, but you have to you got to you got to watch it, right? It's not about the specific exercise; it's about what you're learning, and it's not about the book learning if it's not actually changing who you are. Um, you know, as you as you said that uh, in um, discourses one four uh, on progress, um, Epictetus uh, is is sort of berating a couple students uh, in this in this talk about how um, one of them was really impressed that a newer student was was really good at understanding a uh, um, Chrysippus uh, who's like uh, known for being. Uh, not only a very smart, uh, very capable philosopher, but also a very, uh, very intense and and very uh, detail oriented in his writing and such. Uh, like it, it took a lot to to, re- to wrap your head around those writings. Um, and but Epictetus sort of made fun of them uh, because uh, he said this older student. Uh, had his head on wrong, like that he was doing, he was approaching this wrong. He's, he said, uh, he's like, because this, this, this kid is just, just learning for the sake of, of being, you know, he's, he's using Stoke, Stoke Jeopardy, right? He, he wants to beat Stoke yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, is this, you know, is this making you better with a desire and aversion? Is this uh, helping you create, but take yeah. better actions? Are you, are you learning about, uh, how to give or how to withhold assent, right? Like, because if that is happening, awesome, right? But if you are, uh, you know, if, but if it's not, you're wasting your time, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're just a, a 
you know, a voice recorder. Hey, look, I can play this yeah. back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, or, 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 or a show off, you know, somebody who, I mean, I've had students like that and I've been that student at, at some times where you, you bring up stuff to just show how much you've, you've been able to master. And then, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I never actually had anyone quite as uh, rough as Epictetus to say, so what do you do with any of that? You know, show me, show me what you can do. But, but I, you know, uh, I remember getting called on that sort of thing and, and having to learn that lesson that, uh, and it wasn't with, you know, stoicism. It was more like, you know, contemporary continental theory. Uh, but then, you know, you get challenged. Well, what does this actually mean? What do you, how do you translate this into, to action? And, and then it, you know, you can have one of two reactions. One would be, oh, well, you know, I don't like this. I'm going to withdraw from this and, and go and find some people who will think that I'm really cool because I can parrot this stuff. Or you can like, you know, take the bump to the nose and say, oh, I've got to change something here. And then you can have a, a nice learning, uh, painful learning period. <laughs> so, Matt, here's a softball. Do you consider your books to be a nice one-two punch of theory and practice, your most recent two? I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah. Thank you, Greg, for a, a kind review. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting uh, writing those. So they are definitely laid out in a way um, where like every single section has uh, a variety of actual practices or active things that you can do. And that's intentional, right? Because because uh, I'm not against it. I think people do need you know, yeah. it gives you a, a hook, right? It gives you something to actually latch onto and actually try to use the philosophy. But but I do, um, you know, the the part that's more important to me uh, is the the principles, the the values that that come with stoicism, as opposed to specifically the little the little hooks. So I'm going to ask a, a non-softball mm. follow-up question about that. And it has to do with the kind of book that mm -hmm. you, you wrote where, I mean, it is a beginner's guide, right? So as you're saying, every single part of it, you know, and, and it's, it's very short sections describing practices or ideas or giving suggestions. I would think that a book like that could have two different kinds of authors. One would be somebody who doesn't actually know that much about the topic and then they just like look around, okay, what are the most popular things that people reference on blogs or, you know, whatever. And then they, they put them together and they're like, okay, now I've, I've got it done. And the challenge for them is like, there's two challenges. One is actually finding enough material. And then the second challenge is having it all cohere with an author like you, who's, you know, been practicing, thinking these things through, has read the original text over and over again, I would think that it would be almost the opposite where writing a book like this, this, this short with such short sections would be tough in part because you like, I want to add more. I, I want to say, they want me to say something in, you know, 200 words. Well, it really takes about 600 to unpack this properly. Right. So it, it was, was that kind of a challenge for you or not? I had to continue continuously remind myself this is a beginner's guide <laughs> and if i and if if the person reads it and finds it all useful um the point is for them to move beyond and and find other things and that's why there's a little bit of resources listed and, and so on and, and so forth but yeah that i mean it was an interest challenge in, in that 
I would have a thought and be like, okay, that's, that's a book. That's an, that's its own book. That is not, that is a <laughs> section. Uh, and, uh, and so I would be like, okay, what, what aspect of this would I want people to be able to, to, to latch onto and like pick up. And then if they find that good, they can go and explore on their own. Right. You know? So, so yeah, it was, it was difficult. And the whole, the whole writing process there was, was quite a thing. It was a unique group to work with, uh, that, that, that press. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was different, but, um, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot about the process and, uh, and, uh, my own thoughts about, about teaching it by doing it. So, yeah. Great. So, want to come back really quick to uh, on progress discourses one four mm-hmm. and and they talk a lot about um what what are the the things that you're actually getting here and so he's like don't don't be like the sheep regurgitating its crud because that doesn't actually show you what uh the outcome is you you, you look for the outcome would to be like a, a nice full uh, fleece on that sheep and um or for like a weightlifter a weightlifter doesn't go like hey look look <laughs> at my my nice weight set over there that doesn't actually show you the, the the proof in the pudding is the the actual the muscles on the weightlifter and uh so uh, in on progress it's like wh- what does this achieve what is this practice met with theory actually produce and at least in the the stoic work of this it's you know peace of mind or equanimity is one of the the outcomes that you can see within this and i guess i want to know if you had any thoughts on that yeah um like i would say if there's anything that that um really drives me when i'm trying to communicate stoicism uh it really is uh a focus on what 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 does it mean to make progress in 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 this way right um and uh and it gets interesting because you know there's a lot of ways to think about flourishing about um about uh you know happiness and such you know things that people uh everybody comes to it with a different idea of their what what might be being at peace right but for me it's a very active thing right like um um can't look at the stoic good life isn't a destination in traditional sense in that you know if 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 you want a peaceful i feel calm in my in my walled garden you go to the epicureans right like uh, so uh, like for for the stoics it's about um, a good flow of life, right, is, is one of the terms that get used, and that means m- movement, right? Um, Epictetus brings up things like choruses, where people, uh, it might be in one four actually, where uh, oh no, 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 it's in a fragment, but anyway, uh, so uh, but he uh, he talks about how like if somebody was doing a good job in a chorus, um, they're not only singing their best, but they're hearing everything around them, and they are adjusting themselves and responding to the chorus so that they are all in harmony 
right? And um, and like that really, it's you know, virtue, uh, which is a term that comes up in Stoicism a lot, is about this skill of of approaching life um, in, in a way that that allows you to to really flow with that life and and um and that's that's central right I, I really feel that like where where our talk in modern stoicism can get lost is if we if we get into either these uh, the little just the nitpicky weeds right like if like uh like i i, I find all aspects of uh like stoicism even things that i don't um, fully agree with from the ancients uh, to be interesting. Like it's like uh, it sparks my interest. Like I like learning uh, about such things. Like I I am not um, uh, a theist. Uh, so uh, so the um, uh, Epictetus, for instance, who I enjoy a lot, but like his his exact approach to the universe as God doesn't fully resonate with me although there's there's a fair amount in what he's talking about that i can also uh gain from just from a different point of view uh but uh, but i find that stuff interesting but people will like like try to figure out like like you can do the math and like suddenly crack stoicism on on things like the physics and the lo- logic and all that and it's like well is that it by by pursuing that is it is it changing how you are in this world like are you are you being a better you through this right so if you if you're if that is happening awesome right like and and i think people can find that from all over depending on who they are but it's really easy to get like hung up in a corner and just sort of spinning when when like you're not changing anything internal here here and such Um, i just point to to my head and my heart sorry there uh radio people (laughs) Coming back to um, criteria for whether you're making progress. So, you know, equanimity, uh, you know, being able to respond to the challenges of of life. But how much of it would also, going back to the social nature of the the human being as stoicism conceives of it, could you say like another another criterion for making progress is you're not such a big jerk to everybody and, you know, you can get along with a wider range of people or, you know, take interest in what, what they're saying. I mean, could there be a bunch of different criteria that are more other centered that way or? Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, I think like if you're really taking in what the Stokes are talking about, then, um, the people not just in your life but just people um are going to become more important on on their own like they will they will radiate their own importance by being people because because yeah. they have equal value uh to you and not just not just equal value but also are are part of one thing like the Stoics sort of conceptualize the humanity as a, as a body in itself, right. That like, that we are all uh, one in many ways. Uh, Aurelius talked about how we were the, uh, the upper and the lower teeth, right. Coming together, you know, things like that. it's, It's intimate. Right. And, and that doesn't mean, I mean, this is a, this is a hard world where, where there are very legitimate reasons to to stand against 
people uh, sometimes, right? Not not exactly align yeah. with them and such. But that doesn't nece- that doesn't change their value, right? Like so, it's not like even even in conflict, the the value of that other person remains in stoicism. That that like you don't just write them off. Uh, you might have to be really con- confrontational or, or something, but like you, re- it remains true that they are valuable. And if and if you happen to be right and they are not right, they are misguided. Um, but that doesn't make them lesser, and, and that should really balance how you approach uh, things in life. It, it, it's because it, it changes the math uh, compared to the way that people sometimes uh, approach conflict. <laughs> yeah. Or, or so sharing if, resources or, um, you know, all sorts of other things that have to do with justice, right? Right. So if yeah. we're not, if we're teeth and we're supposed to be working like the upper and lower hand and we're not aligned, the stoicism braces? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe maybe the practices maybe. are like the braces, right? They, they bring things into alignment. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, sure. I could see that so, showing up. <laughs> I, I was really interested to um, hear your thoughts on this this note that you have here on uh, Roadhouse. Oh, yes. So this goes back to pain. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, there was a movie called Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze uh, starred in it. And uh, at one point, his character says the line, pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. Um, and then, uh, fun part of the scene, he says that to a doctor, tells that doctor that he doesn't need uh, any uh, any uh, medication before getting stitches, and then uh, gives a really hard wince when they start doing the <laughs> start doing the thing. So, uh, so you know, pain don't hurt. But uh, but I, I really like that. Um, quote when it comes to pain management and I actually use that quote talking about pain well before I had personal issues with with chronic pain and that's because um, so so for me in pain management like there's a lot that people should be doing like actually seeking out professional help and such if you're dealing with chronic pain not just for the physical aspects of it but also perhaps for the mental depending on how it's going for you but but from stoicism what i get is uh stoicism has this a whole psychology uh to it and one of the, one of the things is this idea of um what was uh well seneca uh poetically called the first movements of the soul um which is that initial that initial impression of of just what what happens to you right so it's 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 seeing something, it's hearing something, or it's feeling something. Like my hands right now are doing okay. My medications are working, so I, I can I can grip. But uh, on certain days, I can I can barely like my hands a claw. I could hold a grapefruit, uh, but I can't go make my fingers move past that, right? And and that pain uh, is a first movement in the sense that like it's a very it's below rationality. It's how your body instantaneously responds to its environment. Right. And, uh, so then that line says pain don't hurt. And if, you know, if I want to turn that into a a stoic line, then the hurt is, uh, as what we would refer to as a scent, 
um, or at least it's within that realm. Uh, you have an initial impression, and then your mind, who you are, does something with that and invests meaning into that initial impression. And where pain, I mean, pain pain is pain, right? Like, like, um, like I can't stop the fact that my hands can really hurt and my feet can hurt and, and, and such. Um, but I can address how I mentally respond to that. Right. And, and a lot of pain is, is layered on by our, our response to the pain versus the pain itself. So, um, it's really easy to, uh, get that feeling that this will never end. Right. And with chronic pain, it, it, in some ways it might not. Right. So like, it's hard, but, it, but it's still like pain is an interesting thing and, and you can learn that the sensation changes over time and such, even if it never fully goes away. And then um, you can think about your loss of capacity, right? Uh, the first time, the first time that my, uh, my arthritis got so bad that it was like, it became impossible for me to like open a basic lid off of something. Like it really hit me hard emotionally like there was just a moment that i can think of in particular in the kitchen just over <laughs> away from my the room i'm in right now uh where like just that it felt like a big loss and uh, and i didn't want to ask for help right and there's things like that that turn pain into something much worse than than a simple physical response right and and so one of the things that stoicism works on is not instantly investing a storyline into that initial impression right it's finding a new way to 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 approach that over time and that has been extremely helpful for me for pain management so part of the things that get connected in with it are emotions like anger you know i i shouldn't be feeling this or um fear you know is this is going to go on forever or people are going to see me as less or maybe shame um and i know you know stoicism does have a whole theory of emotions did you did you find um thinking through that stuff helpful in dealing with with pain to to, as you, to have pain just be pain and not all this other stuff that's all yeah. What would we say? Snowballing out of it? No, absolutely. Right. I mean, that's something like the emotional stuff helped bring me to, to finding stoicism even interesting. And like, it's, it's always been there. Right. So I've always had that practice, right. Is, is like, what, you know, what, what does anger mean to me? What does uh, envy mean? And, and all of that. And, yeah. and it's all, it's all part of this, a very similar approach, right? Like what, what is, you know, just because I experienced this thing, what, what is the actual meaning of it? What do, and I can make a decision huh, uh, based on that. So yeah, yeah, a lot of that was helpful to already have. Now, something I find interesting in just, this is just life, right? Is, um, and maybe, maybe it's who I am as a person and such, but I think we, we talk about lessons as as big universals and like like if you if you deal with anger in this one area yeah then you've dealt with anger but i i find that life is much too compartmentalized <laughs> right you know like that it, 
like like that you can really make big strides in a particular area of your life and then something new and novel happens and suddenly you're nearly back to square one right because you're like you're like wow i did not know i was going to have that (laughs) that particular reaction right and so um but then again having real thought out and and learned practice uh in in one area does tend to give me the footing yeah to, to like and start adjusting it but i still have to do real work that's that that's the main thing that's another thing i find in, yeah i mean it, i'm sorry it's sort of like saying you know i can play this this i used to play a lot of different instruments and put, more more putter than play you know so like when i was a kid i played the clarinet and uh you know that meant you could pick up a saxophone and probably figure out how to how to finger the stuff and make the notes and then you know you could also like get a flute and now you've got a whole different embouchure that you have to do but you know the the keys once you get the theory of it it's it's all kind of similar but it doesn't mean that you can easily then pick up a violin right know, or a guitar yeah, or or anything like that and even even within the range of of you know very narrow range of, of wind instruments um if you're good at one that doesn't mean that you're automatically good at the other but this this notion of transfer I, I think that's a good criterion for whether you're making progress as well um it should transfer, you know, if you, if you manage to figure out one relationship and you're doing so with stoicism or any other intentional way of living, then it should, you know, be usable with workplace relationships or I don't know, um, not getting ticked off with your neighbor. Yeah, sure. I mean, whatever, whatever range we have. Right. I mean, there, there, there should be some things like if you're, if you're figuring out your romantic relationship, obviously you shouldn't, you know, cut and paste that onto, I don't know, the guy you sit next to at the bus. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but as you said, there is transfer. Yeah. I, I yeah. wanted to really quick go back to uh, pain mm-hmm. more directly. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, uh, is whenever you are pained by an external thing, it is not the thing that disturbs you, but your own judgments about it. And it is in your power to wipe out this judgment now. And so this comes back to, as Matt was talking about, the way that impressions arise and if we're going to give assent to it or not and in that space between them we have that choice that rational choice and um how like i've uh experimented and and done some decent amount of like mindfulness meditation and i've i've done this with pain and other like sensories and i I see like these pains like they, they just happen and so they are like these impressions or fantasia um, and uh, to sit with a pain or some other pressure that is a sensation and not see it as the pain or the um, as you know Patrick Swayze is <laughs> pain don't hurt um, it, it's just a signal but it, the, our judgment is that it does hurt and that we want to be averse to it and you know, it's not going to make the pain go away, but it does put the pain into a a new category. And if you look at pay, you know, qua signal or in the the I don't know the character of or the the role of a signal instead of a the role of hurt and something that I want to be averse to, you can you can start to at least um, look at this as instead of this uh, unadulterated bad. Or I guess that's completely <laughs> adulterated. Um, that you can see it as it's just a signal. Um, 
and it's not going to solve all your problems. And it, like, this is probably going to be a nice segue into our next thing with mental health that like still go to a doctor. Yeah. It's probably not good. If you have some like underlying condition that's causing all this. And if you have some way to be able to resolve that, but it doesn't mean that is the only option. And uh, for us to try to mitigate. these Yeah, problems. absolutely. Um, well, pain, pain lets us wrestle with um so when we talk about dichotomy of control and and things that are are considered externals one that's that's really interesting uh that i that i even don't always see stokes thinking about is that epictetus uh very specifically lists the body as as part of that right that your own body is an external in the sense of it is a thing that is in in some ways out of your control and when you're very healthy and doing well it can be hard to understand what he's talking about sometimes right and even even he and he talks about things like you know being thrown into chains and such i mean that the man had had been a slave and such so like uh so he had to use that that sort of outside force there but like when you deal with pain and you don't know during your day when a part of your entire body will not function properly for you and such it really brings home like where where does control really lie and it's not in that it's not in the in the body um now now i i do want to say though um and i think it's an important for people to like like it's, hmm, how, to, how to say this uh I think at the same time that that it's very helpful to get that that lesson that that the body is outside of your control, which can allow us to release um, a certain amount of uh, of struggle over over pain and, and treat it more like a sensation. Uh, there is a flip side to that where where I do think it's also can be important to understand that like p- pain of the type that I'm talking about is also part of our body, right? Like that, that it's part of our, our processes because, because I, there is a, a lot of people take pain and they start thinking of it as this like outside thing, like an invader on the body. And I think that also creates certain types of resistance uh, that, that need to be dealt with. Right. That like feeling like this, this enemy is attacking my body is, is, create some stresses um, that 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 don't necessarily need to be there. And I think with these stoic practices, you can, you know, learn that, you know, this pain is separate from like my core self and such, but it is also in a sense, a natural process that's happening to me. And, and therefore like, I don't need to treat it as, as removed as, as I might want to, because if you're, if you're trying to really box it up, you're going to lose because, yeah, yeah. because it's going to keep showing up. All right. So I don't, I don't, I wish I could get more specific on that, but I, I don't know how so, to say it. So speaking yeah. of the, the body being outside of our control, uh, how about the brain? And you okay. know, let's maybe the continue this health, on yeah. to our, the, the more mental health. Yeah. Um, of this. I came, I became interested in stoicism for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, and one was its connection to cognitive behavioral therapy, um, uh, basically because uh, I had gone through CBT therapy 
over the years. And when I first started hearing some, some stoic lessons, I noticed the overlap. Right. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, yeah. and, uh, and I thought it was interesting that it had been around for a long time. <laughs> uh, so then I started looking, it was actually um, an interview with uh, uh, Bill Irvine um, who, uh, yeah, when he was first oh, promoting, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I suddenly can't recall. <clears throat> can you, can either of you recall his, his first big, Stoic book. It's pro. I'm, I'm yeah, with, uh, suddenly having a problem. Uh, Sorry about that. I just suddenly can't uh, recall the William Irvine is the writer. Um, uh, yeah, it had to do with um, um, Stoic Joy, yeah. right? Uh, Stoicism. Or no, that's Don's. That's, that's, that, that's no, Don's. But yeah, 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 I think it oh, is like the right. art of Donald Robertson, the art of yeah. joy or something like the art of stoic joy or something. Um, yeah. But he had been giving an, an interview on like a press tour for that. And I heard that and I, I heard some overlap. I don't think he brought up CBT, uh, but, uh, but I was like, well, that's interesting. And, uh, and so I, I started looking into it and um, yeah, like I, I struggled much longer than with <laughs> chronic pain. I, I, I've struggled through like my entirety of uh late teens to now with, uh, anxiety and depression. So, um, so the, I, so, so stoicism, a panacea for all mental health ills. <laughs> um, it is not, uh, stoicism. I would say that if we could truly take in its, its message and enact it, um, can really help, um, people find like, like, like Bill's book, the joy, uh, and, um, contentedness and such, not, not 24 seven, uh, you know, joy is not one of, was one of those things that comes in and out, uh, but you can create a space for it, yeah. um, through stoic <clears throat> practice, but yeah, it really disturbs me when people show up and it becomes obvious that they're trying to avoid therapy by showing up on a Facebook page or something. Um, and that is something that I very quickly, like, you know, as a, as an author and back with the podcast and everything, I get emails from time to time of people asking for advice and I'm willing to give some level of advice, but I always start off with, you know, larger problems, you know, like there is an entire profession and a capable one. If you find the right people, um, that, that understands, you know, these underlying issues in a way that like piecemeal coming to stoicism is not going to easily give you. And it's not that stoicism can't be there in, in that way. It's that it, well, one, we tend to become to stoicism on our own, right? And when you're approaching something on your own, uh, it's really hard to see your your own struggles clearly right uh it's difficult um you know if the problem is thinking wrong about something it's hard to fix that without being confronted uh in a way right and there's also things that just require uh might require you know medication and, and and such when i first and this is before came to stoicism but when when i first was when i first went for for help i I had just come out of military i'd been dealing with years and years of 
undiagnosed depression and anxiety, and I was a mess, and I did seek help. And the first thing was like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, but it didn't hit. And uh, and a big part of it was because I was deeply messed up. <laughs> like there were a lot of issues, um, and and I couldn't wrap my head around what they were doing, even when I tried. And a few months later, I was uh, given medication, and uh, and medication didn't change my way of thinking or anything, but it it stopped some real noise, and it gave me a space. And suddenly, I was able to like go, "Oh, that's what that guy was talking about," <laughs> you know, and such. And then things started to really click, and I was. I was doing that for years and later with stoicism and learning that practice, but still requiring things like medication because of my particular problems. Um, I, and I've yeah, huge help, but I needed professionals. So, so for a little bit of an analogy here that I like is that if one wants to be excellent at the art of driving a car, a functioning car is a prerequisite. And a lot of times you can't be your own mechanic. But I'd like to get to our practice here before we run out of time. We're going to have to go through this pretty quick then, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the practice is a uh, festival, and you uh, bring up, a, as potentially from Discourses 112, it simply involves reframing any situation involving people as a festival that you choose to participate in. Any quick thoughts? Yeah. Um, we've all been in a place... Uh, that we wanted to be in and then the noise and the revelry was okay right uh if you go to a festival and you want to be there then it's fun when people are (laughs) being rowdy and so on and so forth and if you can take that mindset to just existing around other people uh even when they're being annoying and such if you're being in a big crowd that's what that's what epity said right if you're in a crowd call it a festival and I really think it's a very quick thing, but my wife and I actually will literally just turn to each other sometimes and be like, festival. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it really, it, it works as a reset. It works as a quick reset. That's, that's really great. So we're, we're just about out of time. Uh, we're going to give you our final thoughts. Uh, so take it away. So this is from Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I got the name for my podcast uh, from this line, uh, which is uh, bad fortune born nobly is good fortune.